What up, though? Welcome to the Fat Boy MMA Podcast, where we talk about everything combat sports, but mainly MMA. If you want to hear a couple regular MMA fans talk about MMA history, notable fighters, up-and-coming fighters, and everything in between, then this is the podcast for you. Now, I should warn you, we're not professionals, but we are big fans of combat sports. Now, if that sits good with you, grab a beverage, sit back, relax, and let's go. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Fat Boy MMA Podcast. I am your host, DC. And of course, I got my co-host here with me, Locke. Hey, what's up, y'all? So, on today's episode, a while back, last year, actually, actually, it wasn't too far from this time. It was uh, September 25th of last year of 2021. There was a fight that happened between a Mr. Nick Diaz, not to be confused with Nate Diaz, who's going to be fighting in about two days. Um, it's crazy. And- We're now in a MMA world where we have to explain where Nick is now Nate's brother. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's different. It's, it's definitely turned. Yeah. So this is the older brother of Nate Diaz, but uh, he fought Robbie Lawler. Um, and I believe, what was it, their second time fighting? It was. Right? Yeah, because they fought in, I believe they fought in Strike Force. Um, but <clears throat> No, they so, fought in the UFC, like old school UFC. Robbie Lawler still had it? hair. You're it was right. it, it was, was, was one of the first yeah. times we ever seen Nick Diaz. He came in, he was this uh, Gracie Jiu-Jitsu guy. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, just started smacking up uh, Robbie Literally. Lawler. Nobody expected Smacky. that. <laughs> Literally smacking up Robbie. (laughs) So this fight happened and a lot of people, myself included, looked at that fight and just had a lot of questions. And it really just did not seem like Nick Diaz. In particular, the biggest factor being he seemed really out of shape and Nick Diaz is never out of shape. So recently... I came across um, uh, one of his, you know, his main coach he's been with forever. Caesar Gracie was on, uh, you know, somebody else's podcast or talk show. And I guess they asked him about it and he talked about what happened, how Nick got into that fight and kind of why Nick had the performance that he had. Um, And the biggest reasons, the biggest factors, uh, Nick had an injury that they knew something was wrong and didn't know what was wrong. That ended up being a neck injury. He didn't train because he really couldn't train. Um, And also he was having some financial issues that kind of forced him to take that fight, including one of the things that I want to touch on a bit, uh, the commission, um, you know, finding him from back when he, I believe the failed drug test was the fight against, uh, and it's Silva, Silva, right? Yeah. And uh, so they basically said, no, we know it's legal now and everything like that, but we want our money and that's the end of it. So you had kind of this trifecta that happened that forced him to fight, but then also he just wasn't in and wasn't able to get into the shape that was needed. And so I wanted to get your insight after kind of hearing um, – what Caesar said, and then also looking back at that performance and, you know, just to kind of get the insight of what you think about the whole thing. 
I think it all makes a lot of sense. Because, like you said, the whole fight seemed a little odd. I mean, Nick looked like Nick at points. You know, he was throwing some good, you know, boxing combos and volume. But, yeah, he was fading and out of shape, which he never is. Um, He basically kind of quit. I mean, not quit, you know, like, uh, you know, threw in the towel or whatever. But, Mm -hmm. I mean, that happens. You know, I'm not that hard on fighters for that. You know when you're done. But that's not his his style, so that's odd for him. that's not his M.O. Right, and... uh, and the comment he made in the interview when he said uh, something to the effect of, I, I had a feeling I had that coming, you know, yeah, that seemed odd to me at the time. It all seemed very out of character is why I had a feeling something happened. And to find out, for one, there's one thing I hate. You know, guys fighting past the prime, eh, not a fan, but do what you want to do. You know, people fighting, you know, with head injuries they shouldn't, I don't like. But I hate when people are fighting for money. If, yeah. if, if you're not an elite level fighter, but you feel you still want to compete and you can make money doing it, do what you want to do. You're a grown man. But I hate to see guys fighting f- because they need the money. That's always bad. It never ends well. And it didn't. You know, he put in one of his, you know, bummer performance where he's out of character. But to hear that it's an injury, and that's a weird injury because it's a major injury that affects everything but hard to pinpoint. And I think it makes a lot of sense. And if he is still willing to, if he wants to fight, I'm all for him throwing his hat back in the ring because he's an older fighter, but... He's 39, and yeah, he's gone through some wars, but he's literally taken years off, you know. Right. In between fights. Like, even when he was fighting, he was not a very active fighter. Yeah. Like, when he, um, even before he took six years off, he took off two years in between St. Pierre and Anderson Silva. Then he fought, like, in 13, in 12, once in 2011. So he's never been a volume fighter anyways. So if he's wanting to come back for the right reasons, I'm I'm in for it. And I think there's some interesting fights that you can still make with him. And I think he's more of a true 170 than Nate is. Um, and I think that kind of helps as he fits more into a weight class where Nate's kind of a tweener. Yeah, no, I would agree. And I agree with everything you said. And one of the things that was very disheartening is finding out a lot of it was money. And one of the things that Caesar Gracie, you know, talked about or he hinted at without going too far down the road, which I think attributed to the um, the money issue was that I guess, you know, Nick kind of got mixed up in the wrong crowd for a little bit. And he said, basically, by the time Nick came back to NorCal, you know, up in Stockton, um, he had already accepted the fight and everything and kind of came back and it was too late for Caesar to basically say, don't do it or we couldn't be ready or whatever else. And he, you know, he kind of was in this situation and had the opponent and everything else. Um, And so it sounds like there were a few areas there where um, maybe he wasn't around the right people, which always sucks, especially when you... um, one of the things that you can tell about the Diaz brothers, love them or hate them, they definitely wear their hard emotions, everything on their sleeves, and they seem like a crew, their whole crew scrap pack. They're a crew of guys that like 
if they love you, they love you. And if they don't, they don't, you know, but they really ride for each other. And unfortunately, people like that also can get mixed up with the wrong people and get taken advantage of because they feel like these people are with them and are a part of their family, you know, and everything like that. But uh, one thing I want to touch on here big time is the whole fine thing. And um, this probably crosses the line into the political realm, but dun, for dun, the dun. nature <laughs> for the nature of what I'm going to say, I really don't care. I'm the one um, that usually turns into a commie. You about to turn into a commie? <laughs> well, this is the thing. Just like with, you know, I look at this fine, just like how do you still have people in jail for something that's legal now? You're trying to hold him to a fine where you stopped him from being able to, you know, make money in his livelihood. And that original fine, when I looked it up, I don't know how everything shook out, but it was like, it was $165,000 for a failed marijuana test. He didn't get caught with bricks of cocaine. He had a failed marijuana drug test. I mean, I think it's preposterous. And the fact that they were still holding him to that is absolutely insane to me. And the fact that we still have people in jail for marijuana is absolutely insane. So I wanted to throw that out there. <laughs> oh, for sure. It's it's ridiculous. But hey, that money's on the books. They're getting it one way or the other. So... They they hear your argument in the court. Uh, you know, we we hear you. But yeah, we're going to go ahead and rule we need that 75 G's, Holmes. Right. <laughs> right. It's already right. accounted for. You know, it's on the books. We can't, uh, we can't walk it back. It sounds like what's crazy is it sounds like somehow there was a three-way deal made with the commission of UFC and him. And based on what Caesar said, because he said something about they would give him more money, but then he had to pay that fine also. And I don't think the fine was, like I said, that original amount that was put out there. Um, but either way, it just sucks. And hopefully, well, I think the timing thing was on the UFC because the UFC said, well, hey, we'll pay you extra money because mm-hmm. he said Nick Diaz doesn't have a good contract. Right. So they're like, well, we'll give you extra money, but you got to do it on this day. So he yeah, needed yeah, the money part, because yes. What, what's that? I said, yeah, that part, the timing, absolutely. Yeah. So they they kind of both got him. You know, the the commission got him because they're like, no, we need our seventy five Gs, and the UFC is like, well, look, we got you. We we'll pay you some extra money, but now now we got on our shoes and shoes, and we're gonna pick our date, and we're gonna pick the guy. And Robbie yeah. Lawler, that's a tough fight back if he's at a hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I wonder why when I look at somebody like uh, Nick Diaz and maybe, you know, he got into some of this stuff and his bad investments. But it seems like I remember him and Nate having something where they were tied into either a CBD company, marijuana company or something like that. But it it, I, I don't understand how with them having the popularity they have being in California in the whole nine. How are you not a partner in one of these companies? Or like, I mean, in in the MMA world, outside of um, 
outside of maybe a, a Joe Rogan or a, um or a, a, a you know Tenth Planet dude um or Eddie Bravo outside Eddie of Bravo. those two guys. The Diaz brothers are literally the face of marijuana in the whole MMA jiu-jitsu community, mm-hmm. right? How do you all not have some type of partnership or deal where you're getting paid nice sums of money off of it? And that industry is big. It doesn't have to be an actual uh, cannabis supplier or whatever. You got, you know, pens and papers and, I mean, you name it, that that it seems like they would be able to do something well, uh, I think, where he wouldn't have to fight if he didn't want to. Well, I think he still can. I think the problem is, you know, like you say, some, some bad investments and stuff like that. But I think that's the reason that they're both wanting to fight again is I think once you keep your name back out there, it, it helps you stay more relevant to where you can get more off of that. end. now look, I mean, we see it with all kinds of fights, you know, Connor, He's got more money than you you could ever use, but he still takes fight. You know, he keeps fighting. For one, he's super competitive and he loves it, but, you know, you got to keep that name out there and stay relevant, and that keeps the money coming from everything else. Yeah, that I agree with, and I think that's what Nick has – I mean, what Nate has done, the difference is in this situation with Nick, right? So we're talking about this situation where really you were in no position to fight. So the issue isn't taking the fight. I have no problems with that. But when you're hurt, particularly to the point where it sounds like he was, and, you know, uh, Caesar said he ended up having to have surgery and they put some type of titanium in his neck and everything like that. So he had a really serious injury. So to have to fight for money in that scenario is more what I'm talking about. Oh, no. I mean, yeah, that's definitely sad. I, I get that. I'm. I get that 100%. I mean, that was terrible. Well, because he didn't even want to pull out the fight. He just wanted to. Now, it probably would have been more delayed, obviously, than if he had really got that found and had that surgery. The fight would have got probably put off anyways. But Right. Yeah, it's terrible. But I think if now he's healed up and he's ready to go because he wants to go, I think that could... uh that's going to keep the sponsorships rolling, especially, I mean, it's got to be what Nate's thinking in getting out of the UFC where he can take advantage of sponsors. Right. Yeah. I think what was interesting in that conversation also, uh, back when the Robbie fight was offered, uh, Caesar said originally they offered Nick Kamzat, which is funny because that's who his brother is fighting, you know, on his, uh, exit fight. Uh, so I think that's funny and, and interesting, and especially because this would have been, you know, last year before Kamzai's name really kind of blew up. And I think they, from point one, we know that the UFC wanted to figure out a way to push Kamzai and put some names out there on his resume and whatnot to really help, you know, help him explode. And I think this is a testament to that. Anything else before we move on to the next topic? No, I just do want to point out, on this show, TJ came on here and called both the Diaz brothers and the Junkyard Dog journeymen. And <laughs> look, you know, he makes good points. I don't want to, you can't really, you know, dig in on him being wrong, but that really hurt my feelings, man. Listen, back in the day, my two favorite wrestlers was the Junkyard Dog and the Ultimate Warrior. 
So yeah, I take that. Yeah, there's my two guys too, man. <laughs> take that personally. The next topic I want to talk about. There was an exciting fight that happened over in one championships, and this was a. Uh, one is doing a new promotion where they're trying to, you know, put some fights over here on the U.S. soil and make it, you know, closer to U.S. time frame so that, you know, the fights aren't coming on at like three o'clock in the morning, right? Uh, Eastern time. Um, and so they have a deal with um, Amazon Prime, I think it was. I think that's where I watched it. I forget now. I think it was on Amazon Prime. They had a, a deal. But... um for this card, the main event was the rematch between DJ and Adriano Moraes. So, part two. And for those that don't remember the first fight, Demetrius Johnson, after leaving the UFC or getting shipped out in a trade, uh, goes over to one, wins a, a Grand Prix tournament, gets the Grand Prix belt, and then the prize for that belt was to fight for the title. And the champion was Moraes. And he went out there and got knocked out with a knee in, I believe it was the second round of that fight. A vicious and, knee, too. Yeah, with the rule change, it's a knee that wouldn't be legal over here in the States. But they got a whole different set of rules that I love fighting over in Asia. And so he would have been considered a ground opponent but got knocked out with a knee. I believe that was the first knockout of his career. And um, so he lost that fight. Since then, I think he fought one more MMA fight, and then he had the spectacular mixed rules fight with Rotang, who's the flyweight, um, he's the flyweight Muay Thai champion over in one. And so they had a mixed rules fight where one round was, um, the first round was, uh, based on Muay Thai rules, second round MMA rules, and it was going to go Muay Thai MMA. And then he won that fight by stoppage. I believe it was a guillotine, I think he won. I'll have to go back and look. I didn't look it up, but I think he won by guillotine. But it's a rear anyway, naked choke. Rear naked choke. Okay. So anyway, we had part two. And it was a spectacular fight. And for anyone that does not remember... I did not want this fight to happen. <laughs> I am of the belief that this weight class, even outside of the UFC, the people are too big for Mighty Mouse. But not only did he go out there and get the job done, he looked really good. He took some hard shots in that fight. Uh, Mirage looked bigger than the first fight. He looks like a 170 pounder. Like he looks huge. He's at least... When he he, he's a, he there, looked giant. I know Mighty yeah. Mouse is a smart guy. So he's 5'8". Yeah, but he looked like every bit, at least 155. Yes. Every bit. He he was considerably bigger. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, it's a 5-inch difference. Mighty Mouse is 5'3". So he's usually mm -hmm. the smaller guy, but not by that much. Yeah, but usually but when guys he, are that tall... Marais and, is the reason class, he doesn't fight at 135, that he went to 125 in the in America. Yeah, well, this is the difference, though. Usually when guys fight at that weight class and they're Mirage's height, they're really thin. Mm -hmm. He looked really thick in that ring. It wasn't just the height. He was a much, much bigger man. He hydrates well. 
because he, he, he looked he looked heavy. Huge. But anyway, so Mighty Mouse, not only did he come back and win, he won in the same manner of which he lost. Mariah's up against the cage after getting hurt, and he comes in with the knee and knocks him off, and it was a walk-off knee, a thing of beauty. Your thoughts? Possibly... And I say this all due respect to Anderson Silva, and because this is just shooting from the hip, I would didn't break him down, but possibly the best finish in MMA history. It was it was good. It was good. especially I, yes. the way he stumbled him, and then he calculated as he ran up on him. You know, he looked like he wanted to take a couple swings, but he waited. He waited, and uh, that knee was perfect. That was a. Uh, I know he's kind of a, a, a nerd guy that has like an anime uh, style knee, and he cracked it perfect. Like I think that's that's going to be a Mount Rushmore up there with the Showtime kick or the Vidor front kick of finishes. Yes. I, the, the funny thing is I don't think that it will be appreciated the way that those were because those were just spectacular. Anybody, you don't have to be a fan of MMA to see how spectacular those were. To really understand how spectacular this Mighty Mouse finish was, I think you got to have an understanding of combat sports and certain guys that have a vision. Like when you think about, um, you know, Pretty Boy, uh, you think about Mayweather in boxing or whatever else where they have this certain vision. So to your point, he hurt Mirage. And as Mirage is going back and stumbling, it's like he's trotting for waiting, waiting, waiting. And Mirage hadn't actually hit the cage yet, but he knew and timed it right when he was going to hit the cage. He's already coming in with a flying knee, and he didn't even wait to see the aftermath. It was a literally a knee walk-off. I know it's done. Oh, yeah. Well, and a couple other things I want to say about that fight uh, before I forget. For one, in addition to the great finish... DJ brought, my uncles used to call it, uh, he brought his beard. You know, it was like the the old man terms, my grandpa and stuff. I've never heard that phrase. You've never heard that? that Showed his beard? (laughs) Well, like his chin. I've never heard that one. Uh, Yes. Yep. He got hit with some good shots. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Like these these old dudes, they used to call it, like showing your beard or bringing your beard. Like, uh, you know, just, you know being able to really eat some shots uh, to the point where honestly, I don't want to see this one again. I DJ's got to go back down a division because I think he could beat him. He showed he could beat him, but there was a couple times in that fight that it could have went the other day, other way pretty quick. And uh, I still think even with the amazing finish and even with DJ eating so many shots, I don't want to see that fight again. Well, you know that was going to be one of my questions. So, yeah, I, I agree with you a thousand percent. I don't want to see it again. I don't think there's a reason to keep taking that punishment, fighting much bigger dudes. It does not make sense, in my opinion. And I think that you get more for moving down and capturing another belt. And literally, well, let let me back up. Before I say that, one thing that I thought was really great was I found out he went and did some training with Henry Cejudo for that fight. 
and this is one of those things that I love about Mighty Mouse. He's he's one of those guys where really the fight is the fight. You know, he he it's not a whole thing outside of the ring and hate and this, that, and the other. And the reason why that's important, not only did he have, you know, two fights against um, you know, against Triple C, the last fight on his, you know, before getting traded over to one, he lost to Triple C in a fight that many people, including myself, actually thought that he should have won. And it was a split decision. So to be able to go to someone after having that kind of a bitter ending, so to speak, and say, hey, you got a couple things that I can use that can help me, I think is great. And Henry Cejudo, I know he's trying to come back as a fighter, but looking at some of these last people that he he's helped train, the Davison Figueredos, he's even been doing some stuff with, you know, there was a lot of stuff when John Jones first left uh, Jackson's where, you know, he hooked up with Cejudo and just so many different guys. Um, it, I mean, he might have a whole nother career. He probably could just open up a gym and make a lot of money training some of these high level guys. But that said, to touch back over here, Mighty Mouse has a chance to do something. And he needs to reach out to Chell P. Sonnen first. Because only Chell can do an adequate job of hyping this. He has a chance to not only was he the UFC champion, everything like that. We know the whole thing behind that, right? Won the tournament, won the title. Came over to one, won the tournament, won the title. If he goes down now and beat the 125 champion which in in, in um you know over in um over in one that's their that straw weight uh Joshua Pacquiao um if he goes down and beats him he literally can claim something that I don't know anyone else that has which is a triple crown over in one that paired with also being a tournament and champion over at the UFC. I think Chell P. Sonnen can sell this as him undoubtedly being the greatest fighter of all time, all history, period, bar none. I I, I wouldn't disagree, man. I wouldn't I wouldn't disagree. Triple crown, man. He got yeah. the tournament champion. He got the flyweight. Go down and get the strawweight. And I will say this, I am guilty. I'm 100% guilty, and uh, I'll admit it. We did our GOAT list. I I didn't even have him on the GOAT list. You know, he went over to Japan. Uh, You've always been a one fan. I've never gotten that into it. Uh, This fight was free on Amazon Prime. And I tell you what, we watch UFC because it's the highest talent level out there in MMA. They are not putting on the best show. I've been saying that for I've been saying that for a long yeah. time. You know, I think one puts on the best when you're talking about an overall show. I my feeling is one has the best show. The only issue is the shit comes on at three o'clock in the morning Eastern time. Yeah, but yeah, I think that it was a brilliant idea to make it free. You know, it's not free. It's Amazon Prime, but a lot of people have Amazon Prime, and yeah. It it was it's very well done, and I will say they they got me on the hook, and yeah, I mean, 
I, I did it. I'm guilty. I took him off my list. You know, he, he, a couple fights over in Japan that I didn't watch because yeah, I, I blamed him that I didn't watch the fights. <laughs> and then he lost by knockout. And I was just kind of like, yeah, you know, maybe, maybe it's not to be, but yeah, he's back on the map. And not only he brought me back to one too. So I, I think that shows that that trade was worth every dollar. One got the better of that trade because Ben yeah. Askren. Went out there, barely won one fight. Uh, because even the fight he got against the Robbie Lawler fight, that was that close to being stopped and him losing that fight too. So right. with DJ, it's like almost a WWE stuff, but you can't write it. Him going over there, getting that loss and coming back and revenging, you know, one's the, the, the thing to watch. But as far as like goat status, one thing I was thinking, like that definitely, Puts him up there in MMA, and uh, I've always liked him as a top guy when he's fighting regularly because he doesn't have any of the drug things, you know what I mean? Yeah. And he's more likable than GSP, so I like to slide him up there towards the top. But me and you have had this discussion lately about not just MMA, like combat sports goats, and I think... You know, in the conversation, you got to put Henry Cejudo when you look at the Olympics. Triple C. And the M and the M. You know, you got to look at that. Uh, you know, I think, you know, Anderson Silva with the success he's now having in boxing in addition to MMA. Maybe Style Bender because you got the kickboxing in mm-hmm. MMA. I think DJ easily slides to the top of that. All he's got to do is go take on John Dotson over in BKFC. <laughs> Go gotta get, get that, that bare, gotta get that bare knuckle promotion in there. <laughs> get that bare knuckle belt, you know, you know that make you the combat sports goat. You did the Rod Tang fight. I think, I think it's the way to go, man. Yeah. John Dodson's over there killing it over there. <laughs> He's just got to get greedy, take up all the belts. One likes to co-promote and shit like that, right? They'll do it. One does like to co-promote. Um, I will say this. Um, one, you know, we talked about a little bit after the Rotang fight. I was so impressed there. Rotang is an absolute killer. And then once, you know, this fight, you know, happened, which once again, I did not want this fight to happen. I wanted uh, DJ just, just to go ahead and move down. But now that it's happened, as we talked about, I don't want to see it again. But when you look at that, especially avenging that loss, it's huge for the GOAT status, but you actually brought me to something else that I want to talk about. So I'm very upset with Sure Dog. And I'm usually a fan of Sure Dog. And I talk I talk about everybody else's list, but Sure Dog is usually close, right? Even if it's not the exact list that I would have, they're usually close. DJ, even after the Rot Tang win and after this win. And they've updated their rankings as of September 5th. DJ is not on the pound-for-pound rankings. Okay? Okay, I get it. Maybe, maybe, like you, maybe they need to see a little bit more, right? You know, but but let's let's do this. Let's look at the pound-for-pound list. We have Volkanovski at number one. We have Adesanya at number two. We have Francis at three. Oliveira at four. Leon Edwards at five. Usman at six. 
Okay. We have Pitbull over in Bellator. At seven, this is a younger Pitbull brother. We have Figueredo at eight. Do we really think that Figueredo is better than DJ? I would say no. We have Stipe at nine. Now, this is where it really, this is where I really got upset. Dustin Portier is number 10. What has Dustin Portier did in his career? And I'm a Dustin Portier fan. So this is, sorry, Dustin, if you hear this, this is not an actual Oh, no, he listens, you. for sure. <laughs> I know he listens. I don't want him to beat me up. Listen, I know you'll beat me up, Dustin. Don't come after me. But what has Dustin Portier done in his career that would put him above a mighty mouse getting on this list? I don't want you to answer. I'm going to tell you why I don't want you to answer. I get it. He's not pound for pound. Fine, I get it. But he has to be. He has to be on that flyweight list, right? Let's go over to the flyweight list. Let's see. No, he's not. We have Davis and Figueredo. We have Brandon Moreno. We have Kai Kara France. We have Askar. We have Alexander Penty. I'm going to butcher his last name. We have Brandon Royal. We have Mathis Nikolov. We have Alex Perez. We have all of these names of people that nobody's heard of that haven't beat any champions or anything like that. But you know what? I pulled up DJ's profile and I said, I see the issue. I see what happened because over in Asia, he's not a flyweight. He's really a bantamweight. And I looked at his profile. They have him listed as a bantamweight, 135. So I go over to bantamweight. I'm like, that's what it is. He's on the bantamweight top 10. No. We have Sterling. We have Young. We have Dillashaw. We have Corey Sanhagen. We have Aldo. We have Marlon Vera. We have Rob Font. We have Sergio Pettis. Don't make me talk shit about Corey Sanhagen on this podcast. Listen. Just just listen to me, though. We have Sergio Pettis on this list. Again, not a knock to Sergio Pettis. We have Sergio Pettis on this list and no DJ. I'm highly upset with Sherdog about this. And these rankings, if it was old rankings, I get it. But these are after the Rotang fight and after the Mirage fight. How is this possible? These were updated September 5th. Now I'm finished with my rant. I will let you go. But I'm upset by this. Okay, where I get upset is when you go with Pitbull and Sergio, because if you're keeping your list only UFC, we don't like we don't have to like it or agree on it, but I at least understand what you're doing, and yes. I can give it a level of respect. Like, okay, I might disagree, but if his list is UFC guys, I gotta value that list as what it is. But the second you add guys from outside organizations. He automatically has to come in top yes. over anybody else in the world outside the UFC. Absolutely. I agree. And and when you look at one and the guys that have won over to one from the UFC, I think you can clearly see that it's not a huge gap between one guys and UFC guys. So you can't even look at it and say that because a lot of guys have went over there and not been successful. You know, it's right. not like it's not like Bellator where UFC guys just go over there and beat up people and get titles. 
It's not that simple over in one, right? Mm-hmm. Especially with the rule change. Um, so, but I agree with you. If if it was just a list of UFC guys, I would say, okay, I get it. UFC is the the best in the world. They're putting those guys first. Where do these other guys come from? Why is this list like this? And that's not a question to you. That's a question to sure dog. Right. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like when you said Corey Sandhagen, like, dude, that's my guy. But we can we can rank him anywhere over DJ. Like even Corey Sandhagen would tell you, like, hey, that's that's not right. Right. You know, I'll go ahead and give up my spot. <laughs> Let's go ahead and let DJ on this list. <laughs> but yeah, I just I, I saw that and I was like, man, uh, you know, I don't know. Maybe they changed some people over in, in uh sure dog or, you know, is it really just where once you leave well, I believe, the UFC, I believe Jeff Sherwood. So sure dog was Jeff Sherwood who originally started it. I believe he sold it. So it's still sure dog, but I think it's new under new management. Gotcha. But I, I feel like I have to fall on the sword on this one because I feel like that's my fault because I'm the one that hip chewed to sure dog. Yeah, but it was good for all of these years. Back when you told me about Sure Dog, by far, like nothing else was even close, right? And still to this day, the two biggest sites that I go to for reference of everything is Sure Dog and MMA Fighting. MMA Fighting I was on early, and then you told me about Sure Dog. And MMA Fighting got bought out also. I forget who bought them, but they've, in my opinion, they've kept a lot of their integrity. But they're a little bit more on the journalism side, right? Um, But they kept a lot of their integrity. But when I look at some of these lists of what happened with SureDog, I have to question, you know, whether, you know, they're in somebody's pocket or not, because this literally just doesn't make sense to me with the type of performances that DJ has put on his history, the whole nine. You figure he had a split decision loss. And a KO that he just avenged with another KO. And he doesn't make any lists. And before that, he was regarded as number one. How do you fall that far, right? Or he was in the top three, right? We'll say that. Yeah. And and I'm not talking about all time. I'm talking about while he was fighting pound for pound, right? He was always in that top three. You fall from that to not even pound for pound top three but well especially once henry pseudo when suhudo retires you automatically go up addition by subtraction and you don't make any list that's like eh, yeah but anywho anything else on this topic my rant is over before we move on to our final time by the way dj reach out to chel p sunnan have him start selling the triple crown that's what we need Anything else? No, I I just want to end it on. Uh, you've been saying it for a long time. You've been a big fan of one. I never check it out because I don't know the fighters. It, it didn't matter. It's good fights. It's well put on. You know, I definitely recommend it. I say it's a fan. Well, they got to put it on free. You know what I mean? Uh, if it's free on Amazon Prime, I'll check it out again. Yeah, I, I will say this too. Um, and I had messaged you this in the group. One of the things that I always liked about one, two is because they'll do a bunch of different stuff in an event. It's not just MMA and they have so many champions. They have MMA, they have Muay Thai, they have kickboxing 
and now they also have grappling. And uh, uh, Nate Diaz, this is his last con- fight on his UFC contract, as everybody knows. He announced this week or whatever. He actually has his own promotion uh, that he's going to be doing. And in his promotion, he's going to be doing MMA, boxing, and grappling. And I really think this is a good formula to mix it up. If you got the right people. You were just pitching a tent when you heard that. <laughs> if, you got, if you got the right people and they're hungry and they go out there, I really think it's a great thing. And one more thing. Dana White didn't say this, but he did. I think Dana White was going to look to do something in the UFC with grappling because in one of his latest interviews, they asked him again about Khabib coming back, and he said he tried everything. He said he recently reached out to Khabib to try to get him back, but not for an MMA fight, for a grappling match. So I think even Dana White sees the value in having some of those extra kinds of matches. Real quick, because uh, I know you got something else, but if just off the top of the head, you got to make the best grappling match you can make out of two we'll figure out the rule set or whatever later but uh what grappling match out of ufc fighters you want to see out of ufc fighters Ooh, i would say are we doing weight classes or no weight classes because you know how grappling is a lot of times surprise me man okay i would say kamzat versus francis Ngannou. (laughs) Yes, it's the craziest thing you'd never thought you would hear. This is the reason why, before you respond. You know I love watching grappling. In grappling, you have many, many guys much smaller than Kamzat fighting giants, as we know, um, over there. um, um, What's his shoot? What is his name? Oh, man. The Death Squad uh, dudes. um, Gary Tonin and... um, Oh, shoot, what is the number one dude name? He's a heavyweight. Um, his name's not coming to me right now, but they were regarded in a lot of areas as a top two. And they've even, you know, had a situation where they've had to go against each other. And Gary Tonin is like, he probably walks around at 160, right? And and you have his counterpart that's this big heavyweight. Well, that's the nature of it. And you have guys like Marcelo Garcia that made his name back in the day. He's like, a, I don't know, probably 5'7", 155 pounds. And he's even had grappling matches against Arlowski. But in particular, the reason why I want to see that is because I want to see that matchup of that Russian skill set versus the brute strength that somebody like Ngano would bring to a wrestling match in size difference. I want to see that paired up together to see how that would turn out. Nice. Word? <laughs> so, I go Kobe versus Nate. Hmm, that's a good one. In a grappling a match, one. though. I like, yeah, I know. I, I, I like that one. That's a good one. I like that. Yeah, that's a good one, man. The reason why I like that matchup is it's similar, although it's not a size thing. Very, very different approaches to grappling and i think it would make a really uh interesting grappling match but um the ufc does have i I noticed on fight pass a few times what i have stuff 
different events where they're kind of matching up some of the um, different UFC fighters and stuff like that. And I think it's dope. I'm all for it. So hopefully we can have some of these and actually have them on a card. And like I said, hey, make a damn champ, you know. Anywho, let's move on. So the last topic we have this past weekend, we had a spectacular fight between probably one for of the free again yeah and this 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 is i'm not homeless greatest... i have a job i could pay for fights <laughs> but i really i just come from an era where you cannot watch any free fights and just to have fights of this caliber accessible for free it's so it's so badass well i don't want to pay for any fight <laughs> unfortunately i have to sometimes but i don't right. want to but um this was a heavyweight fight, one of the greatest heavyweight fights I've ever seen. And it was Surreal Gan versus Tai Tuivasa. And this fight was a bit of a war, but Gan came out the victor with a third round KO. And in my opinion, he displayed the best skill set I've ever seen of any fighter at heavyweight any fighter in that 265 pound division what he was able to do display and we already knew he had good movement but what he was able to do with a dangerous guy like Tuivasa who I'm a big fan I'm a big fan of Bam Bam and he's put down some killers like you know like uh, 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 Derek Lewis and so many guys Surreal Gon went out there and put on a show and he even got hurt and it looked like he was going to be finished at one point. Gathered it back and came out and was able to get the KO. Your opinion on that fight? Uh, it is a great fight. And I mean, Surreal Gon, I've known that he, he's the truth. He's just, look, he's at a heavyweight division. These guys are good and big, you know, but so I, I think it might speak to the level that Nganu has got to in grappling that he was able to maybe do that to Cyril yeah. Gan. Um, but yeah, I thought they both looked great. And to be honest, I think it was a win for everybody because I actually think Tai Tuivasa came out of that fight looking way better than I expected because, it, and I, I like Tai Tuivasa and this is probably my prejudice more than anything but I've just seen a whole bunch of these, you know, the these chubby brawlers that can knock guys out. And you look real good when you're knocking guys out as you're working your way up. But then you get to that cream of the crop and they're just they're also got that power, but they're physical specimens. And it's just not the same. And I just felt like I've seen that over and over. So I kind of lumped them into that category. And I think even in a loss, I think in this fight, he showed that, no, he's a legit top tier heavyweight because I got serial, uh, I got gone at the, the top of that heavyweight, right? I mean, obviously, so does the UFC, but I mean, it's, you don't see a lot of fighters that size that good technically, you know, and you know, him and Gano, those are two real, you know, it's exciting. The UFC hasn't had a heavyweight division this deep in a while, I think. But I think yeah. Tai Vasa, he almost won that fight. So you have to consider that he's up there 
would that he belongs in that top cream of the crop of those guys. I agree. I think both guys stock rose in that fight. I think to Vasa, you know, I was already a big fan, but like you said, um, they still hadn't really put him up there with those top, top guys skill wise. They put him up there with some really good guys. Like I mentioned, Derek Lewis, really good guy, knock a bunch of people out. Right. But when you think about skill set and whatnot, you're not thinking about Derek Lewis kind of in your top five of heavyweights or whatever. Right. And um, I think Tuivasa did really good in this fight. I think both guys stock went up, but in particular, I think this is another one of those things. And to your point about what's going on at heavyweight is so exciting, especially once everything's officially nailed down with whatever this is going to shake out to be. JBJ, um, you know, versus Nganu, or, you know, if he's fighting, uh, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, Stipe or whatever else, right? Uh, because now you have Gan waiting in the wing, but you also have a guy like Tuivasu kind of waiting out there, right? And the mix of some of these guys, I think, is some of the most exciting matchups that pretty much I don't think we've seen anything like this in the heavyweight division for quite a while, you know? Um, and, you know, Tuivasu, I think I would love to see him against, um, what's his name? Uh, against Blades. I think that would be a good next fight for him because I think Blades is kind of always up there in the mix too. But as we know, Blades can't beat uh, Nganu, right? So I think you mix in something like that, even though Blaze is on a three-fight win streak right now. I would love to see that kind of matchup of still two guys is trying to break into that that top, top three. Um, but yeah, I think both guys' stock went up. But yeah, I think even though even though Blaze is on that three-fight winning streak, I think Tuvasa still is right up there because, yeah, he's coming yeah. off a loss, but it's a loss and that's a contender fight. So you're yeah. not gonna you don't slide all the way to the back of the list, you know, and then especially not with that performance, right? Well, and that's what's crazy is that whole top of the heavyweight division is deep, and it's a lot more you know diverse than it used to be. As far as like you got wrestlers, you got strikers, you got some athletes, you got power hitters, you got all kinds of different stuff, and that's without Bones Jones. You drop him on, that's a wild card at the top of the division, you know, and I don't know. Look, how is he as a heavyweight? We'll see. Maybe he still is the greatest ever. Maybe he struggles a little bit. Either way, he makes that whole picture a lot more interesting. I agree 100%. And that's the big wild card there that it's like you have to wait and see because if they make the Stipe fight and he goes out there and starts Stipe, it's, that's crazy. But then again, they make the Stipe fight. Stipe goes out there, looks spectacular, and he does something crazy like finish Jones, which has never been done, right? All of a sudden, it's like, wow, okay, we need that That we need that Stipe Francis three, you know? So it's like mm -hmm. there's so many areas there, but then, too, you can look at that and say, okay, well, the two most dynamic heavyweights at that point would be Gon and Jones, Let's match those two up and see, you know, so you got so much there that I think you can do at that point in time. For sure. 
Um, it's an exciting time to be a heavyweight fight because we watch and and God bless you know Frank Mir and Andre Arlovsky and you know these guys Overeem and these guys that kind of just passed the ball for you know ten years. But oh, and you know all those guys we talked about when I we didn't even mention Tom Aspinall who also is yeah a really really good big guy. So. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So yeah, it's a uh, it's it's one of the most exciting times to watch heavyweight MMA and that fight in particular was just as exciting as any 155 170 fight that I've seen out there that was a really good fight some back and forth a spectacular finish it was a great fight well, um, and we we've talked about this before the goat status thing is an equalizer tool but uh the heavyweight champ is the always the baddest man on the planet yeah, by far. Yep. He, he's going to crush everybody up. Everything that we said about mighty mouse <laughs> Tuivasu will thump him across the room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, yeah, but, um, that was pretty much what I had. I wanted to touch on, you know, a lot of those. I think these last couple of weeks, there were some really good fights, matchups, um, across a bunch of different promotions, uh, one that we really didn't get a chance to talk about. We were going to, but, uh, you know, dive into that Mike Perry um, MVP fight over in, uh, over in Bare Knuckle. And it's just been some really good fights, really good matchups. But I know you looked into that, so I did want to give a little bit of time if you wanted to go ahead and throw something in there for that one. Well, I was going to say, we got about seven minutes. We could, we could hit it real quick. Yeah. Uh, but I think similar to what I said about one bare knuckle is there, they have a solid promotion that they're putting together. And I think that that was a really good fight for bare knuckle. I think everything went right across the board. Um, their guy won, you know, and I, I think what it does is we can all agree that in an MMA match, MVP handles Mike Perry easily, you know, Mm -hmm. most of the time. But the fact that Perry was able to win shows that this is something different. It differentiates itself as a combat sport where you can't just come in here and think like, oh, well, it's just a place for MMA fighters to land in between gigs. Like, no, this is a this is a sport in and of itself. And uh, I think that fight reflected a lot. So I think Bare Knuckle came out good on that. But I think MVP still looked good. I think he probably won the fight. Um, somehow it came down to, you know, the judges. So they did a sudden, like a sudden death round. And Mike Perry definitely won the sudden death round. So, but, you know, either way, MVP still came out looking good. And he did something different. You know, he didn't get hurt. It was a good fight. And I always give guys credit. I don't take, you know, when Style Bender ends up losing to, you know, Blahovich, I don't really give him too much. I don't knock him down too much from that. You know, I don't want to discredit guys for trying something new. So I think MVP comes out because he had a good fight and it possibly sets up a rematch or something. But I think it was interesting. It was a good fight. And uh I think it kind of, I wouldn't say put 
bare knuckle on the map because it didn't, but it definitely set bare knuckle apart as something that's different. And if you're going to go dip your toe in the water, you got to take it seriously and train for it as what it is because it's not a regular boxing match and it's not an MMA fight. Yeah. I would say, um, overall, it's like how, how we was just talking about it's a, you know, heavyweight division. It's a good time right now. It's a good time in combat sports. And this is the world of combat sports that I always envision where you got grapplers getting recognition and becoming million dollar, you know, players. You have something like bare knuckle. You know, you have one. You have these things where if somebody wants to be a combat athlete and they want to make money, they're not locked in or tied to one thing. There's a whole world out there. You know, Anderson Silva, you know, um, I think you were the first person that sent it to me that, you know, he's going to go ahead. They have an official. He's about to fight uh, uh, Jake Paul, you know. Um, hopefully it's for a big purse. But just what's going on, and I think Bare Knuckle is a great representation of that. So to your point, if I look at a guy like Mike, Mike Perry, where was he really going to land and do any damage or anything that would have allowed him to really continue to put money on the table for his family? Most guys like him end up on a regional circuit fighting for somewhere between one and five thousand dollars if they're lucky, right? Yeah. They're trying fighting five, four or five times a year. So. Exactly, trying to get back to a big promotion and make some money. And now he can go over somewhere like bare knuckle and put on a performance because, okay, there are certain things you don't have to worry about. There's no leg kicks. There's no takedowns. You want to be that guy. And not to mention, there is a technique to bare knuckle fighting. Certain punches and things that you can throw with, with tape on your, your fists and wrists and, you know, gloves even the small mma gloves that you just can't do in bare knuckle because you're going to break your hand right away they only have the tape for the wrists right when you get to the knuckles the knuckles are completely exposed which means you land that wrong let's say on the top of somebody's head or something like that that's a broken hand so there's a whole technique behind that and i think right now mike perry is finding his lane which is good I would agree with you on the outcome of the fight, but I also think if they do a rematch, uh, MVP has a much better chance because I think he has a better understanding of what it is. It is different than MMA and it's different than kickboxing and it's different than boxing. It is its own sport. Yeah, he went in there with a really wide stance, which is a bad idea for that kind of fighting. Yeah, And I, I think he would probably win a rematch but who knows i would have picked him to win that fight a fight to fight but you know to your point i like that there's a place for a mike perry and i'm talking mike perry as a fighter uh, i know he's a controversial guy and i'm not even trying to touch that at all so irregardless of what you think of that um like a guy with his skill set or mike perry as a fighter i like that there's a place where he can go and kind of yeah showcase his skill set for what it is. Yeah, I agree. And I think I've said on this uh, cast. The world before, is a safer place when Mike Perry can fight for money. <laughs> I agree. And I said on this cast before, I do not like Mike Perry, the person, but I try to always separate the things between the person 
and the athlete and the things that I see. And to your point, whether I like him or <clears throat> don't like him, the type of person that he is, I think it's much better if he can do what he likes and he's able to make money doing it. Because if not, he's the type of guy that would end up being a minister society, literally. Uh, so I want Mike Perry to find a good place where he can do combat sports and continue to make money and feed himself and his family. I'm so glad that him and Sean Strickland have gigs. Yes. Yeah, he's another one. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, that pretty much wraps everything up for me. You got anything else? Nope, that's about it. I think we covered it all, man. All right, everybody. Well, thank you for uh, coming and listening again. Thank you for rocking with us over at Fat Boy MMA Podcast. Look for the next episode coming out soon. Come back and listen again. That wraps up another Fat Boy MMA Podcast. If you have a topic for us, please email us at fatboymma55 at gmail.com or reach out to us on social media by going to links.fatboymma.com. That's links.fatboymma.com. Thank you for listening.